Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, Jessica Humphreys and Chris Pilau. And here's what's coming up this week. The Premier League and Fantasy League wilderness is nearly behind us. We look ahead to what's to come for the first set of fixtures after the international break. James Knowles joins us to talk about his league, his experiences helping out with Fantasy League during the summer and generously, we think, offers to do us a quiz based on his experience working on Question of Sport. And there's all the usual news, correspondence, questions and queries to get through in part three as we help put you listeners in a different league. So Chris, it's been the international week, a barren week for men's Premier League or Championship football, I guess. Other footballs were available of different genders and levels, but how have you been coping? Uh, I've been coping okay. I've been watching a lot of other teams falter a bit and seeing lots of injuries. You know, you do tend to watch... I mean, I don't really watch that much international football when it's on. I do like to have a bit of a break, but then have half an eye on my players and if they're getting injured. And it looks like my squad kind of ended up with a clean bill of health on the other side, which cannot be said for a lot of other teams, I don't think. And I don't know if that was the case for you. Have you been keeping an eye on your players, injuries, anyone affected? Or are you kind of just going to jump straight back into the next game week and, and hope everything was okay? I think I'll mainly be jumping straight back into the game week. I do find because I do so much women's football stuff that I international breaks become a bit strange because there's always just extra stuff on. And I've also reached a point where I get sort of confused that club some club football's being played, but not all club football. So it kind of like it took me a minute this weekend when I re- remembered there was no Premier League football. But yeah, some definitely I guess Evan Ferguson is one from, from my perspective to to sort of keep an eye on. Um, I think it's that West Ham t- like team generally in terms of thinking about how actual Premier League teams might perform, which is maybe a particular concern looking forward. I was already in not a great spot injury-wise, but touch woods, nothing seems to be too terrifying right now. It's hard to judge as well sometimes on International Week because everyone's trying to put out news about everything and there are always a lot of scares. And I think there were some scares this week for Hyung Min Son... Jesus is always kind of like either just got injured or just about to be fit and you never really quite know with him. Even Haaland at one point went down with an ankle injury but then you kind of you go down clutching your ankle and then it ends up being on the news agenda for three or four days so it is quite hard to see who's going to come out on the other side. You mentioned West Ham, Mikel Antonio looks like he is out for a few months. Well he hasn't really had a great start to the season so far and we spoke on a previous pod about how Jared Bowen may be stepping into his position like quite literally playing as the centre forward and even though he had he got released by England over the weekend I think ahead of the North Macedonia game but even that I had a question mark over it like have they just released him because West Ham have been desperate to get him back because West Ham have got no one left if you're a West Ham owner if you've got West Ham players in your team attacking players you'll know that it's kind of Bowen or nothing so I did wonder whether West Ham just kind of politely asked to have Jared Bowen back it looks like he may be available away to Burnley this weekend and expect Jared Bowen, if fit, I think, to just be the centre forward now for West Ham with maybe a few James Ward-Prowse pinged crosses and corners and stuff into him. So yeah, it is difficult to to know. 
you are in a good position if, like me, none of your names have really come up as a headline or a tweet or whatever it is over the weekend. It definitely feels like one of those ones where you kind of have to wait to the press conferences to figure out sort of what's just club subterfuge. Definitely with the Haaland one, I was like, given that City are playing Liverpool first thing on Saturday, I was like, I still wouldn't be surprised if he starts in that in that match because it always feels like they're very good at um, finding ways to extricate their their players from from these kinds of matches. I guess the other big news that has happened over the international break is this massive points deduction for Everton. This is an interesting yeah. one, Chris, in terms of thinking about how this affects Everton as a team in Fantasy League because they were really a team sort of on the up. They had had great underlying numbers. I think the performances and results were starting to to reflect that. And the prevailing mood seems to be that despite this points deduction, most people are possibly confident that Everton will still actually stay up. From a Fantasy League perspective, is this maybe a positive thing that there's this sort of real incentive for the team to to go hard and try and make up that deduction as quickly as possible i think so because yeah they're not gonna you know they haven't been deducted fancy league but imagine if they'd all the players got deducted <laughs> and whatever obviously you haven't had that effect in fancy league um but already even in the real world everyone's talking about this game on sunday everton are playing man united at home at goodison park on sunday and how you know it'll be the loudest atmosphere you'd ever you'll ever hear and, and, and how brilliant it will be. And, and Everton did start to turn a corner before this international break. Um, there was that win at Palace just before. And also we, we spoke on the last pod about how they really are sort of to set, started to settle now. Calvert-Lewin plays up front. Ablo Decore plays off him. I think Ablo Decore is their highest scorer in Fantasy League. Um, even Mikalenko starting to pick up points. Jack Harrison. These players will still be, I mean, even more than ever, will be wanting to score points. What makes it even more interesting is that Everton have been deducted 10 points and are not bottom of the Premier League. And they kind of sit among and even above, well, one team, but these teams that have not been performing well so far this season. And everyone's kind of almost saying, yeah, they might be safe anyway. However, they will still be motivated. I mean, to be at four points at this stage of the season, no matter how bad the other teams are, they are in a relegation fight. And when you're in a relegation fight, you don't worry about the other teams you do need to worry about your own performances. And I think that they will now, starting with this game against United on Sunday, to have this kind of like quite strong wave now. The games at Goodison are going to be really loud. The atmosphere is going to be great. And Dyche will be, will be telling his players, go out there and keep you know prove why we should stay in the Premier League. So I think it, it may, may be a good thing for Fantasy League and potentially a team to target if you don't have Everton players. Have you got any Everton yeah. players? I don't, I don't, but I do think there's something especially sort of tantalising about that first game being against United because they are obviously just have been in a place where even though they've been getting results in the league that they've just looked pathetic. And there is this kind of funny, you know, almost Dyshian thing where it's like, oh, I wasn't in the relegation battle really, but, you know, I, want, I wanted to be in one. So it's like, he, it feels like he's perfectly place it is going to be an interesting one to to keep an eye on and and see I think because especially if they get they do get a win this weekend I think that will immediately be a big boost and we've seen teams you know really thrive off the sort of us us against the world type thing and we know how important Everton's home fans at Goodison can be for them Um, I think we particularly saw that at the end of last season when they were trying to stay up so 
I touched on it already, but in terms of sort of the other fixtures on coming back over the weekend, City Liverpool has to be the standout here. Where do you see this one going? This is, I feel like these these have been sort of two of what I think have been the best teams in the league this year. I hate a twelve thirty Saturday kickoff after an international break. I, I was just I was just thinking that as a negative now. I kind of wish they were playing on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. We're with you, Jurgen not... Klopp. We stand with you. Yeah, yeah, I do, <laughs> yeah, sort of. I hope that the Premier League picks up at the pace where it was left with that Man City-Chelsea game. Sort of like it was quite chaotic. I'd say last couple of weeks in the Premier League and I hope that they can pick that up straight away. And they should because I think it's like for the first time... Look, Man City now, people are already talking about the fact that they probably will win the league and De Bruyne's going to come back and all this sort of thing. But this should be... This is one of the big games for them. And the last few seasons, they've only really had one title challenger at a time, be that either Liverpool and then last season it was Arsenal. Now they've got two, it makes more games more exciting. So I hope that they really do live up to it. And from a fantasy league point of view, a lot will be billed as this, you know, this is Haaland v Salah. This is the the, the top two scorers in the league so far. And they will be in pretty much every league. I mean, it was criminal almost if Haaland or Salah is not playing in your league out there. You know, the the questions of like, okay, what do you do with your defenders? I mean, I, I just think this is one of those games just you play everyone and kind of see what happens. And in FPL, Salah, Haaland, it will all be about who you're going to captain. Well, the great thing about this, just play play everyone and see what happens. But it made me think, Salah, Haaland, if it's not going to be them, and, and let's hope that Liverpool are able to push City as far along as possible, that Arsenal are able to as well. And who knows, maybe another team. But if it's not going to be Haaland, or Salah, and I'm not saying this just so that you say Ollie Watkins, because the answer doesn't have to be Ollie Watkins. Uh, but they are the most, two most recent winners of sort of like the golden boot in the fancy league. If it's not going to be them, is there anyone else you think could win the best performing player in fancy league this season? I mean, when you look at sort of top scorers so far, lots of the kind of players I would maybe think of feel quite far below already because I feel like I went into the season thinking that someone like Saka could be that player I just feel like there's a sense with him at Arsenal that he gets played so much and the level of fitness he's maybe playing at is potentially hindering him from really going sort of supernova maybe his you know age to a certain extent as well like I think he's someone who's obviously an incredibly talented player but I think has the potential to get a lot better but yeah he's already sort of 20 points behind Haaland I think the thing is when you've got someone like Haaland you're just like well he's probably not gonna stop scoring Um, maybe in another year you'd look at Son but again when he's gonna go away for the Asian Cup that's another big chunk of time where you're like well he just won't even be playing in the league although of course that's true for Salah with uh with AFCON yeah I don't know one one name I guess maybe because of Salah going away who could be an interesting one who's who's higher up than I thought he would be is Darwin Nunez, who has four goals and six assists, so he's on 24 points um, without having played a huge amount of games. And it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool do sort of reconfigure that attack when when we get to January and whether maybe he's going to get more points as a result. Yeah, and he's got the luxury as well of not having the pressure on him, maybe. I mean, obviously he's got a lot of pressure and he's got a lot of even social media pressure and stuff. Uh, on him as well but Salah is sort of like the main man and what I find with Arsenal you brought out Saka is kind of like they still I don't know who their main man in attack is and this might hinder their 
title challenge. And if they don't have one, and obviously, you know, it was supposed to be Gabriel Jesus, but he's never fit enough to be playing. Inketi has been brought in recently and seems to play well against the lesser sides, but is can you really rely on him? And then there's sort of like those players that they kind of always have drifting off to the wing anyway. You know, Trossard is another one. If they don't have a main man, will that hinder their title challenge? Maybe. If they don't have a main man, is that good or bad for fantasy league owners? When the goals are shared sometimes in a team, in the way that Arsenal are doing, you kind of do want to put all your eggs in one basket of one player. And it's quite hard with Arsenal. I, I let go of Trossard a few weeks into the season. I do regret it because he will carry on playing. But he's also not going to be playing every single week. And that's kind of what you've got to be doing in this version of the game. You want your striker to be playing 80, 90 minutes every single week. And it's hard to pin down who that main person is at Arsenal. Arsenal are playing Brentford this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it, it's hard. It's a bit like the Man City problem was before they brought in Haaland, where you just had the sense of like, you could you could never really put your finger on who was going to play regularly. And to that extent, it became a bit of a, a risk, especially, I think, to go and spend big money on those kind of players. And Arsenal, I guess it's more of an injury problem because if I think if Jesus was fit, everyone would be happy to sort of go all in on him. But without him, it isn't really clear exactly who's going to play. I guess two of the other popular fixtures in terms of uh, fantasy league players that, that we've got to look forward to is is Newcastle, Chelsea on Saturday at three and then Tottenham Villa. Tottenham, I think this is going to be a really interesting one because Villa have obviously been fantastic at home. They get loads of points when they're playing at home and they're not very good when they're playing away. But they're coming up against a Tottenham team who have had sort of an international break to regroup. Some players, I guess, will be back from their suspension. So Udogi, I guess, because it was it was two yellow cards, wasn't it? But they've still got lots of those long-term injuries. What? How do you see this one one playing out? Yeah, it's interesting, this Villa bit away thing, because it's something that we've noted here and they are so good at home. I think it's two things. They are very good at home. They are not as good away, but also their away stats have been impacted by those from those first couple of fixtures at the start of the season. And it's kind of like skewing the data a bit if you're looking at it just from a data point of view. But they haven't been as good away. But they're up against Tottenham, so it's quite looks like it's I think it'll be quite evenly matched. That's that's sort of like the slot that I wish Man City Liverpool were playing in, and I'm almost kind of like just as much looking forward to that game as I am Man City Liverpool for that reason and and yeah it will be a popular fixture because there'll be a lot of players a lot of managers who will have you know two to four players playing in that game and it for me you know well Watkins and Kulusevski is just sort of like you're just it's one of those games where you're kind of like praying for there to be lots of goals and for the defenders to concede and yeah Newcastle Chelsea it's kind of it's working out it's a shame with both of those fixtures they are popular from a fantasy league point of view but it's a shame that it's not a full-strength Tottenham side and it's a shame that it won't be a full-strength Newcastle side because those would have been two brilliant games. They would have been brilliant games for Fantasy League as well, owners who have pl- owners of those players and those matches if we would have been able to see full, see them at full strength. And they're not the only ones. I mean, every I think it's almost like every single team is affected by injuries at this point in the season, including Man City with De Bruyne and Brighton are another team away to Forest I think their run is going to continue before the international break I've got it here Lewis Dunk Estupinian Tarek Lamptey Solly March James Milner Danny Welbeck Julio Nciso and now international break Mitoma Evan Ferguson it's not going to be easy for them so I, I kind of I hope that these injuries get wrapped up across the board in the Premier League so that us fantasy league managers can have a good game of fantasy league for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, although to a certain extent, sometimes it does make it interesting as well because you suddenly see different players coming in and getting different opportunities. Um, be interesting as well, Kieran Trippier obviously withdrew from the England squad for personal reasons, so whether he will be available, I guess, for that Newcastle-Chelsea game will also be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I'm diving into Fantasy League Europe this weekend, Chris. Of course. They kick off, it's the Tuesday to Tuesday. You're yeah. in Europa League. And for those who don't know, maybe it's you've got some listeners who are playing for the first time this season, so none of them have, have kind of unlocked this. But you get drawn against, in whether it's Champions League or Europa League, uh, you get drawn against three other teams in a group stage. You play each other, well, yeah, as a group stage, and then kind of the, the top two will qualify for the knockout phase where it becomes knockout. Um, and this is based on your points across uh, various game weeks. And who so who... You've got there are three other teams playing in yours, obviously, and you know who you're playing this weekend. And have you had a look peek into their team to see basically whether they've got Haaland or not? Is usually the rule of thumb. <laughs> yeah, I, so I went and looked. No one in my group has Haaland. No one at all. So that makes me feel good. The person I'm playing this week, their team name is called Lasso Solid Crew. Strong name. I'm kind of obsessed because they have two Sheffield United players. And they actually have all three of the promoted teams, like main striker. So they've got Cameron Archer, Lyle Foster and Clinton Morris. It feels like quite a, a bold strategy. Yeah, so this is this is Tyler Chambers yeah. of the So Solid crew. If Tyler Chambers is listening, we'd love to know the reasoning there. It reminds me, I used to play with someone who would only take on players who had played in the EFL. Part of his job, he didn't work for the EFL, he actually worked for a football manager. Uh, but as like an EFL specialist. So he would only take on players who had passed through the EFL at any one stage. And it looks like Tyler Chambers has, has approached this with some sort of strategy. I did think I, mean, I don't know how well the, the strategy case. is doing for him. Well, because also like, so in, you know, there are a lot of other players who would fit that bill in this team until you get further up. And then there's Dominic Sprozlai and Thiago Silva and people like that who oh, yeah. are, are yet to grace the EFL with their presence. But maybe one day. Who knows? I reckon yeah, Thiago Silva, 45, he could still be doing a job probably. Uh, oh, absolutely. Championship yeah. team. Yeah, but I've obviously been on a bad run of it. So we're going to have to see how... Maybe this weekend will be the weekend that, that reinvigorates my, my side and I can actually have a good week because I'm currently... I'm, I've got four points this month. The entire month of November, I've got four points. That's very... I don't think... I just had a look at my league. I don't think anyone has got... Everyone is in double figures in our league so far this month. So, yeah, it's not going well for you. But we'll keep it. We'll, who knows? It could all change. And maybe the, the return of European football could inspire your players. So we'll, we'll keep tabs throughout the rest of the season. If you are playing Jesse and you want to get in touch, then you know where to find us. And if you, you know, are interested in the, the European fixtures, you don't quite know where they are. It's on FL Comps on the fantasyleague.com website and then Champions League Europa League you can see how the teams in your league are getting on uh, those who are represented in your league so yeah I can't wait to see what happens between you and Tyler this next week and we'll find out next week all right I think that pretty much wraps us up for part one we will be speaking and quizzing with James Knowles in part two so we'll see you after this Okay, so this week we have another very special guest, James Knowles of the Premier Lager, no surprise there, joins us. And because it's an international break, we have a bit of a treat. 
well, a treat for the listeners, not so much for Jesse and I. James, who has worked on Question of Sport for the last couple of years, will be doing a very special quiz for us later. So Jesse and I are very nervous. But first, let's put him under the spotlight and find out about him and his league. James, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Great to speak to you both. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. I say pleasure. I'm nervous already. Pleasure to have you here. Um, and but like I said, we'll first by talking about the we'll start by talking about the Premier Lager and continuing the theme. I mean, it's six episodes in a row now where we've had this theme uh, of alcohol. I'll say who came up with the name. It's, it was, looks like it was quite an easy name to come up with. But what can you tell us about the Premier Lager? How many of you are playing, um, and what is it about that league that makes it so special? So yeah, there's ten of us. Um, originally created about four years ago, I believe, by a couple of the guys, Tom and Gary who were in another league um, and decided to form a breakaway. Another breakaway. Um, Love it. I know, I know. And yeah, slowly but surely, people have have dipped in and I've been doing it for, I think this is my third season, loving it. And yeah, we're just a a bunch of mates who who like getting together, whether it's on Zoom or, or down at the pub, having a lager, obviously, trying to beat each other, but also... With a smile on our faces, not taking it too seriously, but deep down taking it incredibly seriously. We've had a lot of people who've played Fantasy League for a very, very long time. And it's interesting talking to someone who's who's not been playing for so long and I guess came to it maybe as part of a world where there's lots of different sort of versions of football games like this. What kind of has attracted you to playing Fantasy League in this way? I think the, the biggest thing, Jesse, is that not one player can only belong to one team. Whereas you look at all the other fantasy leagues, for instance, this season and last season, everyone chooses Haaland and it's just all a bit boring. I love that element of trying to scope out the best deals, whether whether you do go all in on a Haaland, for instance, or whether you just try and get a number of players who are guaranteed minutes on, on the field e- each week. The fact that in our league anyway, there aren't many transfer windows for us to to chop and change. So you, you've really got to have a bit of luck as well. But yeah, I, I just really, really enjoy the, the unique element and uh, the flexibility of how you can play it as well. It really does hook people in. And, you know, knowing that I've recruited some people in, in recent years to join mine. And I wouldn't say they struggle at the beginning, but they... They kind of get their head. It does take a good like season to get your head around it. I found with the people who recently join, and and then maybe to start. Okay, I've worked it out now. But then they kind of. But then also there's people like me who spend 15 years saying I've worked it out now, and then don't quite. Not say what so much have you struggled with? Were there any aspects that you did find difficult at the beginning? I think the biggest thing for me, or the biggest thing I've learned, is to try and pick players that that are likely to play 90 minutes each week. Um, I think that's quite quite imperative. We we get points for for appearances, so that that is big. Whereas if you choose a Manchester City player such as a Grealish, yes, he might pick up some points every once in a while, but he's not guaranteed to play. So you you're wasting a lot of potential points just sitting up in a stand or on a bench. So I think that's probably the the biggest element for me. I'm talking like I know what I'm doing. I won uh, I won Manager of the Month for the for the first month of this season. Congratulations. And, well, yes, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, that's what I was hoping for. But things were going swimmingly, and if things are going swimmingly, don't change it, right? But Gabriel Jesus was back from injury, and I really wanted him. And I thought other people were going to go for him in our sealed bids. 
So I, I undenied and I thought, you know what I can do? I can get rid of Trippier, who has got zero points at this stage, get rid of him and I'll go all in on Jesus, 13.5 million pounds, uh, which for a, for a team that has a budget of 50, that's a big chunk. So I, I managed to do this. No one else went for Jesus, so I could have got him on a, on a free transfer and lost Trippier, who has subsequently got a ridiculous amount of points and it breaks my heart each week to see him <sighs> keep a clean sheet and set up at least one goal. That is one of the worst things about sealed bids as well, I find, when you realise that you've dropped a huge sum of money on somebody and then no one else has done it at all. Like so many times, and you're just thinking, like, if only I'd known. But but how how can you know? Um, I've started. I never used to do this before, but I did start actually sort of like paying attention and trying to spy on who sort of had the players that they'd like could potentially like want to drop or not. But it doesn't. How do you spy? Not a perfect art, is it? How do you spy? Like no, like just going like. I'm just not like. In the past, I haven't been good enough at like being like. Okay, who already has two Arsenal players? Like I'm so focused on my own team. And like actually just sitting down and being like, okay, this person isn't going to like want to drop X player from this team to have. But it, in my naivety in the past, I was just like, I want them, so I'll put all my money on them. I didn't know um, if it was like Marcelo Bielsa style, like looking through the window when they're doing their sealed bids or something, peeking through to see what's yeah, going well, on. Have you guys ever had that at auctions whereby people start suggesting that other people are looking at yeah. sheets of paper. I did it myself, things like that. actually. I had my laptop out and Mike next to me kept looking at my laptop and he's doing better than me this season. So I may yet will have to do, and I don't know who, it's more that he will have to do the conference like Marcelo Bielsa did a couple of seasons ago where he lays out all the data <laughs> that he had in his head. But yeah, it does happen. But it's actually quite interesting with James. Obviously, we, we're... Um, we're going to go on to later with the quiz, but as someone who does work in the world of stats and questions and facts, do you find that people are intimidated by you in the league or are you surrounded by other like-minded people? I think I am surrounded by like-minded people. Every, everyone works in television, not not necessarily in sport or, or question of sport, but yeah, I think everyone's a bit of a nerd deep down. But then I say that probably the most laid back person in our league is a guy called Ben. He didn't even have time to put any sealed bids in in our last round. And he's top of the league running away with it. So maybe that's the way to do it. Don't look at stats. Don't look at any figures. Just go for it. Just put a put a blind hand into a pot. Hope for the best. And you'll end up top like Ben. You can definitely overthink these things. So I think there's, you know, there is some rhyme and reason to that. Um, James, you also did some behind-the-scenes fantasy league work this summer. Um, tell us what you got up to and, and what that was like. Yeah, it, it was good. Obviously, it was a bit of a, a bit of a tough start for fantasy league, so, so Neil put out a, a call to arms. As a keen player, I just really wanted to, to help it. Like Everyone in our league and everyone in all the other leagues just wants it to work. And so the more people who, who could get behind it and get things back on track, the better, the quicker for everybody. So, yeah, I, I came on came on in and, yeah, behind the scenes, helped out getting people's stats and numbers back, back on track. And it, it was really interesting talking to all the various managers that I did. Um, everyone's so understanding and just a love for the game really came across. Like you said, Jesse, so many people have played it for so many years. It's genuinely a part of people's lives. 
whether that's an escapism or or a bit of almost everything for them, it's so important. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed helping out. And it's great to see see things absolutely flourish since we got got things back on track. It was quite early on in the season. Uh, you didn't, looking at other people's teams, pick up any tips. Oh, yeah, actually, that's quite a good lineup that they've got. Maybe I'll bring that into mine. <laughs> Well, it was it was interesting seeing how different people play the game. As I've said, I I'm all about let's get players on the pitch, let's get the minutes in. But more other managers are, are more savvy. For instance, they might have a, a Sheffield United defender. They preempt that they're going to get walloped at the Etihad. They keep them on the bench. They they don't play them for that match. And I, I've never really considered that. Or other managers might just get a goalkeeper that pretty much, is destined never, ever to play. But of course, with that, you're not going to get any minus points. So, it, yeah, very interesting to see how different people play the game. Yeah, it's interesting, that one, actually. That's always been a theory that's been untested by anyone in a league that I've played in, of do you actually just put defenders in that don't play and just focus on the attacking? I'm not sure. We'll have to test it out one day. There might be method in the madness. Yeah, I think that's one of those things as well where the size of your league really influences those things. I know we had a sort of goalkeeper discussion uh, last week, I think it was, whereby because I'm in quite a small league, sort of six or seven of us, it's very easy to pick up a goalkeeper who's going to be half decent. But I imagine that once you're in a league sort of of more like 10, then yeah, it does almost make more sense to have, you know, someone who's just going to sort of sit there and, and not do much, especially if you can spend almost no money on them. Well, James, we're very grateful for the work that you did in Fantasy League HQ at the start of the season, along with all the other volunteers. Uh, I'm not sure how grateful Jesse and I will be uh, as we move into this quiz now. I'm glad you're as nervous as me, Chris. How, uh, that makes me feel better. Maybe it's mind games. But, now, but yeah, now I'm worried you're going to be really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do you want to tell us a bit about the quiz that you've, that you've, um, that you've set up? It's quite, I mean, first, it's quite interesting to be one of the question writers on on question of sport when you are writing a question what are sort of like your rules and regulations for yourself it kind of i, I think of the pub quiz organizer who wants to try and set questions that are not going to be like, easily looked up but easily findable if that makes sense as well is there a method to it as to it as you or maybe as you prepared this quiz as well i think the major method is answers should be gettable even if you don't know it, you could probably have educated guesses around it. We On Question of Sport, we don't want anyone to look stupid. Uh, that That's kind of the, the main rule. Uh, we're not trying to trip anyone up. We film a whole series in three blocks. We work towards the, towards the first block, which might be 15 episodes back to back over three, maybe four days. So sometimes we might film four episodes, literally one, two, three, four um, so by the fourth episode, obviously, everyone's getting a bit tetchy and exhausted. So sometimes an episode might have been filmed over a year before it goes on TV. So the questions are written so that they can't really be time stamped, which can make things very difficult. Even a simple question like, who are, who are the current holders of the FA Cup? We don't know when that episode is going to go out. So you can't even ask that simple question. It has to be who won the FA Cup in May 2023, for instance. So, yeah, you've got to be a bit crafty with the way you word things. You don't want something very easily Googleable. Googleable. Is that a word? It is now. It is now. Um, yeah. Predominantly, I'll have the, the framework of a, of a question in my mind and the, the general general answer. But 
obviously you, you have to verify that. And, and quite often I might be wrong. But yes, you, you've got to go down a, a lot of rabbit, rabbit holes to find that answer. But if, it, if it's in your field, obviously on Question of Sport, we have people from all, all walks of sport. We, we direct questions to, to that sport. If it's in their field, then predominantly they're going to get the question right, which is great. That's what we want to see. And, and when they do get it right, it shows that it's a good question. So you've prepared a quiz. What is the nature of the quiz you've prepared for us? Have you gone kind and, and done it? Uh, is it general knowledge or have you tried to uh, base it on our understandings? So it, it's general knowledge, all based on this season. So it should be fresh in mind. Okay, it should good. be very fresh in mind. I don't know if it there was are... going to be like Crystal Palace midfielders of the 1970s or something. So I'm already, I'm already feeling a bit better. Yeah, the, I will tell you that there is a Crystal Palace question in there for you. Okay, okay. Only one though, and um, just to just to keep things fair, there is a Chelsea question for you, Jesse. Okay. So the, the rest That's also three... more stressful though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that feels like then you've got to you more like Have that is like right. specialist subject. <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure. It's all for fun. All for fun, but you really should get three out of three each. <laughs> okay, should we should we kick off? Yeah. Okay, I do apologise, Jesse, but the first question is for you. Okay. There were two outfield players called up to the latest England squad to have played every minute of the Premier League season so far. Can you name one of those two players? For the benefit of keeping our loyal Fantasy League audience engaged in this podcast and to protect the reputation of our presentation team as experts in their field, we have removed pauses for deliberation and added dramatic clock effects instead. Jordan Pickford? Outfield players. But you are correct. You are correct. (laughs) Jordan Pickford has also played every minute. Every minute of the season so far. Can I ask a clarifying question here? You can. Are these, these are Premier League players? Yes. And it refers to the Premier League specifically? Yeah. Conor Gallagher? Incorrect, I'm afraid. Oh, damn. I can tell you it was Esri Concer and Jared Bowen. Wow. I think I could have sat here for a while and not picked out one of those. Chris, I, we, I, we should have done it where Chris got a go. Yeah, but I would have that? said I was going to go for uh, Declan Rice... And Mark Gay. Okay. But you were wrong. So, immaterial. <laughs> That's good. Well done for being honest. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely have said, yeah, I knew all along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Game face now, Chris. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. Who is the highest goal scoring, uncapped Englishman in the Premier League this season? Wow. Um, James Ward Prowse? He's played for England. Has he played for England? He has played for England. <laughs> the highest scored uncapped. Uh, it could be someone young. It, uh, full, full international as opposed to under 21. That oh, is correct, yes. Played, I can tell you they've scored four goals this season. Four goals. They don't play for Crystal Palace, do they? I can't think of anyone who hasn't played for England now. Is Jesse smiled because Jesse knows? I'm not sure. I've got a guess, but I don't. I can't remember if they've been called up. Neil, <laughs> oh, for those listening and obviously not watching, Neil reckons he does know it. But Dominic Solanke. It's a very good guess, but he got one cap, unfortunately. <sighs> so it is not Dominic Solanke. Jesse, you thought you Anthony might have Gordon? had an idea. Oh, that was my guess. Oh. That was my guess. Oh. It's you Anthony Gordon. <laughs> 
You can't come in when I was about to say oh, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jess. I was so embarrassed wow. by the long pauses. Again, that the listeners won't have heard. <laughs> oh, wow. Dear. That's the thing. As soon as you the pressure was lifted, it was like the dark cloud moved away. <laughs> I can't even give you half a point, no. Chris. I'm sorry. but it, You were right, but wrong at the same time. Apologies, Jesse. Okay. Right. Jesse, which English goalkeeper has made the most saves this season? And you might have to think slightly outside the box. Well, he wouldn't have made the saves outside the box, would he? Oh. Hey. Okay, well, I'm thinking bottom of the table. James Trafford, is that his name at Burnley? That is his name, and it's a very, it's very good guess. not him. It is not him. Chris? I think you're in the right realm. I think it's got to come from one of the, the bad teams. And I wouldn't be able to tell you who the Luton goalkeeper... Oh, no, the Luton goalkeeper has got a name that suggests I don't think he's English. Sheffield United, Fodringham, I think. And that would be the correct answer. Oh. Where's we Fodringham? 57 saves. You set me up, Jesse. But yeah, but yeah, you went, yeah, you went down the right route. Yeah. How many saves? Sorry, seven. <laughs> 57. Seven. <laughs> 57. <laughs> okay, so on a similar theme, the three newly promoted teams have failed to keep a clean sheet this season. Which other team has failed to keep a clean sheet so far? So there are four teams that have kept clean sheets. Three of them newly promoted, plus another. Who's the other? Uh, who's not playing? Is it, it could be Fulham or Bournemouth. I would say it's. Bournemouth. They kept a clean sheet against Newcastle. Oh, for God's sake. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll go Fulham then. <laughs> and you'd both be wrong. It's yeah, Brighton. 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 Oh, Brighton. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, when you think of someone goals. like a, a Stupinan who is mm. hit by so many managers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We need some points here, guys. Okay. We've not got a single one right. Well, to be fair, I technically did. I'm giving myself a moral point for Anthony Gordon and you. And I'm giving myself an actual point. But they, neither of them were our. Neither of them were our question. Oh, true. You should have got your actual point deducted for trying to put too many answers. True. In, so. True. <laughs> Quiz okay, Jesse. Deduction. Okay. <laughs> Jesse, which Chelsea player? has committed the most fouls in the Premier League this season. Nicholas Jackson? Is incorrect. <sighs> Nicholas Jackson is the most booked player this season. Yeah, that's what I was, ah. that was like, using oh, as my course, heuristic. Yeah. But if we'd gone back to your first answer of the, of the quiz, it's Conor Gallagher with 26 fouls. Oh, Chelsea wow. have had more yellows than any other team. 40 yellows this season. So watch out if you've got Chelsea. My dirty cheating blues. We mm. love to see it. <laughs> okay. Is this the my trophy, Crystal Palace question? It is. Yeah. It is. The trophy is up for grabs here, Chris. Only two players have assisted more than one goal for Crystal Palace this season. Jordan Ayew is one. Who is the other? I do know this straight away. Mateta. It oh, is. Maybe it's not. Oh, Jean Mateta. Wow. There was a, there was a moment there where James's eyes lit up, and I thought that I was going to have to just <laughs> unplug the microphone and walk away. I did that sort of celebrate before the ball crosses the line thing. It is. It's Mateta, a nice isn't well done, Chris. Winner. <laughs> I don't think either of us covered ourselves in glory in that. Yeah, yeah. In that quiz, it went better so than I thought, but it wasn't a. Um, it went better than I thought. Once the pressure's off, it becomes much easier. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, thanks very much for that, James. And we hear that you've got a question for our listeners. Hopefully it's not Googleable, as you said, uh, or not too Googleable. OK, then. Listen up. Only three players have scored in each of the last ten Premier League seasons, including the current one. Who are those three players? Nice. Definitely one to think about. I mean, yeah, definitely you can Google that. But what's the point? You can Google That's it. actually a very good yeah. thinker. Jesse, this is your moment yeah, to so say you that you know the answer Kevin. already, but obviously you're not going to reveal it on the podcast. Yeah, I immediately <laughs> knew that, 100%. Yeah, it's not 100%. Mateta, I'll tell you that. It's not Jean-Philippe Mateta. <laughs> it's probably not Nicholas Jackson either. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James, well, thanks a lot for the quiz and for joining us this week. Good luck in the Premier Lager. Where are you sat in the Premier Lager this, uh, so far? Mid-table, but uh, knocking on the door of another manager of the month. So I've had a big dip in form but a, a slow resurgence is is taking me towards possible European places. Well, good luck and good luck to all our listeners. Please write in with your answers. You know where to find us at Fancy League on social media. You can also email us in at podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk. Maybe you've got more questions for us, quizzes to send in. We are open to reading them and attempting them here uh, in, in a different league. Uh, thanks again, James, and we'll see you all in part three. Welcome back to part three and we are joined as we always are by Neil. Neil, how are you doing? How's your international break been? Very good, very quiet actually. It's nice. Um, yeah, not much going on. Um, I am, however, slightly delighted to sit at the top of my league at the moment, not in terms of overall points, but just in terms of monthly points. 34 uh, so far in November, which is, yeah, it's, uh, pretty happy with that. Just rubbing it in my face, I guess. Yeah, Jessie's shaking her head still, <laughs> thinking about her, her poor month so far. Neil, I had a actually international break question for you. As the arbiter of manual assists, do you ever sort of lose track and you're sat watching the England game and you're thinking, oh, well, that's... That's what I have to to give before remembering. Yeah, it it does actually happen occasionally. You think, right, hang on a second, right, going to have to rewind that on the highlights package and see what happened. Um, But yeah, I mean, generally, International Fixtures Week is a a bit of a break, although I have watched um, watched England uh, this week. And uh, well, Wales, we've got a big crunch match tonight as well. So I'll uh, I'll be tuning in for that later on as well. Yeah, not really too sure how the Wales blew it a, a bit last week, I think. And Neil, I hear that people have got in touch then. I, I mentioned last week about the best real managers, who would be the best and worst fancy league managers. And I hear that we've had some correspondence. Yeah, we, we've had about five or six suggestions in. So um, should we start off with Johnny, maybe? Yeah, so Johnny Johnny is, uh, has followed the theme of, of managers who would be incredibly poor value in the WhatsApp group or equivalent and highlighted Mikel Arteta to follow in the same footsteps as Jurgen Kloppers and Pep Guardiola who would dispute every manual assist and over-celebrate every point scored. So he'd be sort of like populating your inbox, Neil, with so many emails, so much abusive emails and monologues about why... Uh, he wasn't suspect, awarded manual assist. Exactly. I suspect my uh, international break, instead of being a rather quiet one, would have been bombarded with uh, Arteta emails and, and phone calls about uh, about manual assists. So uh, no, not sure there. My favourite one, I think, has come from Reese, who says, Ten Hag would be worse than Klopp and Pep. Overpaying at auction, banishing certain players with potential whilst keeping the faith in random shocking players. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of money would be spent at the auction by any Man United manager over the course of the last few seasons. I think they'd blow all their budget very early doors. I feel like Ten Hag um, would also be one who'd spend all his money on players he had in previous seasons. That would be his his link through as well. But they'd get more and more expensive each year. Yeah, I, I also keep thinking of the WhatsApp group. Again, I, don't, I, don't, I still don't think I see them smile in two years. You know, he'd just be very moody in there and stinking the place out a bit. I think. Someone else who'd be moaning all the time, according to Ollie, would be Conte, Antonio Conte, who'd spend all his time moaning about the chairman. It kind of works, you know, the league chairman, obviously not the same as the chairman of the club, but but that is right. And someone else, just like Arteta, who'd over-celebrate at every point scored. My favourite one is, is, is in, from, in from Jenny, which is uh, Gary Neville, who would, uh, who would try it once, he'd be rubbish, and he'd go and work for, in a different league, pod, Claiming he knows everything and pretending punishment next happened. <laughs> <laughs> there are elements of Gary Neville sometimes when I speak, not in the uh, the nature of my punditry, but more the sort of what have you got to uh, to, to say about winning and doing well when when you're just always in mid table all the time. So so yeah, there is a bit of Gary Neville to me, maybe. <laughs> I think that I think you're doing yourself down there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sam Graham Potter would go to the auction all excited and have his mate Teddy B just pick for him and then he'd be gone by Christmas uh, and Jeff said Stephen Gerrard would do terribly then a year later Unai Emery would pick the same players and win a trophy I mean that's if Aston Villa end up winning a trophy we'll see uh, so yeah do keep them coming uh, there have been some really funny ones so far you know where to find us at Fancy League and podcast at fancyleague.co.uk uh, Neil, we're not going to get you on every single time and, and kind of over-justify points, but I, we spoke last week about the penalties and the fact that you get a three points if you score a penalty, two points if you assist a penalty and that you get fouled, but if you end up doing both, you don't get five points in total. Um, and we were debating this last week, whereas, you know, thinking maybe this could be something that, that could be of value. Um, but we've had a bit of further justification from the power that be, Andrew Weinstein himself. So do you want to explain maybe the history of this rule? It's not overly complicated. I mean, but, but Andrew's justification, you know, in, in years gone past has, has been that, you know, if a, if a penalty taker earning their own penalty would get five points, is that more worthwhile than perhaps a super striker or a particularly special goal that was scored by an outfield defender or a striker? So should they really get five points, you know, and should that, you know, should that be better, if you like, than a than a wonder strike? I, honestly, I'm I'm still not entirely sure. I'd be easily swayed to go and start awarding a manual assist if you know, somebody who gets fouled gets up and takes a pen. It's interesting, isn't it? I think I can really see both sides of it. And I think part of what sort of sways me a little bit is is this idea of like a rather, it is a rather mundane goal. And I do think there's something to be said about like the likelihood of scoring penalties, which is then become stranger where it could potentially be up to five points. And Chris, I know you said that this was something you felt like the justification by Andrew had also sort of swayed you maybe back the other way. 
Yeah, well, look, this is the original version of the game. It's been going on longer than all the others. Maybe Andrew knows what he's talking about <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and these rules. And it, it's the same for the 75 minutes one, which we won't get into. But it's sort of like they've kind of stood the test of time and maybe they work for a reason. I think there, there is a bit of debate about the five point. But yeah, I, I do understand that, you know, a penalty is annoying for a lot of people anyway. Um, so to, to give it five points, I can see that side of the argument. On the 75 minute, by the way, very quickly, it reminds me of something funny that I saw the other day. It was about FPL. It's only played football manager and is so incensed in the real world when he gets his players subbed off that he has started subbing off his defenders in the equivalent, I think, 59th minute in hours, it would be 74th minute, just so he can anger the absolutely fake, they don't exist at all, uh, fantasy league managers playing in his football manager world. And I found that quite funny. Yeah, I saw that too. That really, really made me laugh. That's a that's a particular level of sort of wound up and petty that I really, really appreciate. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, it's a very the same energy when you're sort of like when you're convinced that Mikel Arteta knows what he's doing. We will not go on about seventy five minutes again, but we are all ears, and it's been good to debate. It's been good to have this forum. It's been good to have you, Neil, explaining and thinking about potential changes. And we will always be here to. Listen, discuss, and maybe one day change, but the rules are here to stay so far this season. We really enjoyed hearing from you about your Premier League managers as Fantasy League managers. So we thought we'd do another little bit of a call out, sort of inspired by by James, who was talking about dropping out Kieran Trippier for, for Gabriel Jesus. I think it we would like to hear what of your worst mid-season slash sealed bids transfers? Who are the players you let go? who really came back to bite you on the arse. I have become so paranoid about this kind of thing. I have desperately held on to Christopher Nkunku throughout his injury. I hope that finally, after the international break, we might see him play for Chelsea. But I'm, I've almost gone so far far the other way on, on these things. Neil, I know you had one to, to kick us off that from, from last season. Yeah, so I, I picked up um, Almiron at the start, I think in the auction last year. I don't think I even needed to get rid of him, but I think I was just looking at trying to change things around and midfield, ditched him in week three, and then he went on to have an absolute perler. Uh, of a season. He actually had a brilliant preseason as well, I think. I think that's why I went I went after him. Got him for a fairly nominal fee. He didn't really do anything for the first couple of games. And then yeah, went on an absolute blinder. So I saw um I think I think Gavin, uh, one of the guys in our league, picked him up and yeah, went on a stormer for the, the rest of the year. So um yeah. We can use this as sort of a bit of a fantasy league therapy session. Get in touch with us all this week, podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk, or you can get in touch with us on social media at Fantasy League with your worst mid-season transfers. We'll, we'll have a go run through some of those next week. And we will also be joined next week, Chris, by Frank Lopez. Yes, Frank Lopez, whose teammate, Frank Lopez, whose fellow manager has got in touch to say that it almost goes opposite to what we were talking about at the top of this part. Uh, that he is a lovely, lovely man who is an excellent football coach and bizarrely, utterly rubbish at Fancy League. So we'll see the other side of the coin there. We look forward to speaking to him, hearing about his league uh, and what makes his team, league, fellow managers so special. And please continue to get in touch if you'd like to be featured on the league. You know where to join us. Uh, but I think that's it for this week. So thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, producer Simon. Thanks, James, for joining us in part two. Please do get in touch with your answers to the quiz, among everything else we've asked you to get in touch with, if you can, all the same places, 
and we'll see you next week. 